Hi, this is Sam Chand, and welcome to the Sam Chand Leadership Podcast. It is my honor to serve you, help you achieve your dreams. Let's do this together. Today, I want to talk to you about something that I have discovered, and then some antidotes to that as well. So when all this started months ago, I started getting phone calls from literally all over the world. Over the last 16, 18 months, I have spoken to more countries than I would normally have. Uh, I've spoken to, I don't know, dozens and dozens of countries. I've also had the opportunity to talk to uh, individual leaders. I've talked to church leaders. I've talked to corporate leaders. And in the midst of all of that, the conversation started shifting. I started noticing that uh, people were not so much talking about the professional aspects of what they do in life, but I started seeing that people were struggling personally, just at a personal level, struggling as a man, as a woman, as a child, as a parent, as a grandparent, as somebody who is part of a family system, struggling at husbands and wives. And then I started looking at people and I realized what had happened. So much has happened. And one of them is that you are never off anymore. Oh yeah, 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 I I hear you say, but I'm working from home. Uh, You are working harder from home than had you got in your car, your vehicle, and got to work. Because right now people feel like they have fallen into quicksand. And the harder they try to get their head around their lives, I'm talking about their personal lives, the more exhausted and more tired they are. And we're also finding out that while we are struggling with this ourselves, others are calling on us to help them as well. Back in the late 70s, a book came out and the title of the book epitomizes some of what you are feeling right now. And the title of the book was simply The Wounded Healer. Wounded Healer, written by Henry Newman. And with The Wounded Healer says so many different things, but my question that arises out of that book is, uh, who will heal the healer. Who will heal you? While you're carrying your own burden, while you're carrying your own weight, while you're carrying your own situations, your own circumstances, your own challenges, your own triumphs and tragedies, how, how are you going to help somebody else? Who will take care of you? But more than that, the question I want to obsess with you today is how are you taking care of you? How are you taking care of you? So I'm going to talk to you about two words, two words that end up into seven alphabets, two words, seven alphabets, and each of those uh, alphabets will have a meaning behind them. And here are the two words, press in, P-R-E-S-S-N, press in. P stands for how you're taking care of yourself physically. 
R stands for how are you taking care of yourself relationally. E stands for how are you taking care of yourself emotionally. S stands for how you're taking care of yourself spiritually. The next S is how you talk, taking care of yourself in your succession. The next word is in. I stands for how are you dealing with your income. And the last N, that's my favorite. I'm going to hold on to that. And when we come to that, I'm going to go through that. So just so that we can work on this a little bit. So it's not just me on a screen somewhere so that we can work on a little bit on this. Let's just assume that all of us on a scale of one to 10 are a five. One being the lowest, 10 being the highest and the best. That let's assume no insultment, don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Just assume all of us are a five. And as, as we go through this, I want you to be thinking about what is the one thing that you can do over the next 30 days to move yourself from a five to a six. Because if you will write that down, if you'll write that down, by the end of this message, you will have a seven point plan. So I just don't want to do a talk. I just don't want to do a message. I want us to, at the end of this message, I want us to move the needle in seven areas of our life with a written down plan. So you're ready to go? Here we go. Number one, physically. How are you taking care of yourself physically? What I have learned is that most people don't take care of themselves physically. And when they do take care of themselves physically, it is after some kind of a life-altering, life-defining event. For me, it was a heart attack a few years ago. And before we take health seriously, see, you don't have to be a buffed-up, weightlifting, marathon-running, gym buff. Just walk, jog. Row, bike, just stay active. Because you see what happens is when your physical body starts wearing down, it affects everything about you. So physical activity will keep you mentally alert. It'll increase your lifespan. It'll relieve stress. You will retain mobility. And then diet, diet, diet. You know, my son-in-law and my daughter uh, used to own a CrossFit gym. I remember talking to them one day about this. And my son-in-law, Zach, he said to me, he said, you can't out-exercise bad diet. <laughs> I didn't like that. So when I had my heart attack, when I had my heart attack, I had three cardiologists. And I asked all three of them the same question. Because I love a good piece of beef. I love a good filet mignon. And before my heart attack, it was usually a well-marbled ribeye. Sometimes even a porterhouse. So I asked my three cardiologists the same question, all three of them separately. I asked them, how many steaks can I have a month? Notice I didn't ask them, can I have a steak? Because you know what they're going to say, no. 
I asked them, how many steaks can I have a month? All of them individually said the same response. They said, you can have two good steaks a month. Make sure they are good steaks. That means they're going to be expensive, but good for you. And so, most months I'm good about that. Once in a while I'll cheat. I'm sorry to say that. But the question for you is, how are you taking care of yourself physically? So diet, diet. Just do it in moderation. Don't get this thing, well, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to start doing that. Just in moderation. Moderate everything. The Bible says moderation in all things. So you don't have to be some extreme something, something. You just have to start moderating what you are doing. So, before I go on to number two, we talked about P as in physically. Write down one thing you can do in the next 30 days that will move you from a five to a six. I'm going to pause for five seconds. Give you time to do that. All right, let's go to the second one. Relationally. How are you taking care of your relationally? How are you taking care of your relationship with your family, your friends, your foes? Yes, you even have to take care of your relationship with your foes. Even though you may not be talking to them, they are living in your head. Even though you are not in relationship with them, they are still occupying space rent-free in your life. So how are you managing your relationship? How are you taking care of your relationship with your family? Now that you're close proximity together more with your friends. Because during this time, people have formed opinions and you have gained new friends and you've lost some friends. How are you relationally taking care of your work and then your life outside your work? Because you see, all relationships are in transition. The question is, whom are you engaging with and whom are you disengaging with? Because all relationships are in transition at all times. There are people entering your life, people exiting your life, people moving from this stage in your life to that stage in your life. Because see, your relationships will guide you wherever you are in life. How are you managing your relationships? How are you taking care of your relationships? Because a lot of people have bad health because of bad relationships. They struggle emotionally because of bad relationships. Their marriages fall apart because of bad relationships. Their children are estranged because of bad relationships. Bad relationships will also affect you physically and spiritually and emotionally. So, before I go on to number three, let me pause for five seconds and ask you the same question. I'm going to ask you the same question seven times. So you know the question, what is it that you can do in the next 30 days to move how you handle your relationships from a five to a six? I'll give you five seconds. So we've talked about taking care of yourself physically, P. We've taken... Talk about the R, taking care of yourself relationally. E, 
is how do you take yourself, care of yourself emotionally? Because see, your feelings, your feelings, your feelings are the most accessible part of who you are. I can make you mad just like that. All I got to do is say one word. Whatever word is coming to your mind is the right word. I can make you angry in a split second. I can access your feelings before I can access your intellect. I can access your feelings. Uh, think, think of feelings like this. It's like an onion. An onion. I love onions. Onion. And it's got layers, layers, layers. The outside layer are your feelings. And then I have friends who say things like, well, don't go by feelings. You know, feelings are fickle. Feelings will change. And you know, to a certain degree, they are right. However, this is what I've also learned. That every major decision you're going to make in your life are going to be feeling decisions. Who you marry is a feeling decision. The car that you drive is a feeling decision. The apartment home that you are in is a feeling decision. When you, when you joined Calvary Revival Church or you keep coming back to Calvary Revival Church CRC, you know what you say to yourself and to people around you? This feels like home. Mm-hmm. So you're going to make your major life decisions based on your feelings because feelings control your relationships as well. You feel good about somebody, you're in a relationship with them. You don't feel good about somebody, you're not in a relationship with them. Because emotional maturity doesn't come with age. Emotional maturity doesn't come with age. Emotional maturity comes out of two things. Number one, self-awareness. And number two, self-management. Let me say this again. Your emotional maturity will come out of two things. Self-awareness. Who am I? Why do I think the way I think? Where am I going in life? Everything about your ecosystem. Self-awareness. And the second part of that is the flip side of the same coin is self-management. So once you become aware of who you are, then you manage who you are and your emotions. And then I also say something else about emotions. You got to find some place to detox regularly. Because you see, when you get these bad emotions, bad feelings coming at you and they go into your system, they go into your psyche, they go into your heart, they go into your soul and your spirit and, and you start carrying all of those. You got to have some friends that you can detox with. You got to have a system in your life that you can detox because the most important thing that I can say to you is never put your emotional health in the hands of somebody else. Never let somebody else's emotions, just because they are sad doesn't mean you need to be sad. Just because they are down doesn't mean you need to be down. Never put your emotional health in the hands of somebody else. So, same question again. What is it? The one thing that you can do in the next 30 days to take care of your emotions better, to move them from a five to a six, five seconds. Number four, how are you taking care of yourself spiritually? So there are seven alphabets. Appropriately, spirituality is right there in the middle, right in the middle, governing everything. 
because you see your vertical relationship controls your horizontal relationship. Your relationship with the Lord will control your relationship with people. So show me somebody who's having problems with people. I'll show you somebody who's having problems with their walk with the Lord. Show me somebody who's having a good relationship vertically with our Heavenly Father. I'll show you somebody who's got grace on their life to be able to deal with the challenges of life that come our way. So what is spirituality? Spirituality is not doing spiritual chin-ups. Like I got to read my Bible more. I got to pray more. I got to do this more. Uh, okay, I, let, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. If I was to ask any one of you one simple question. Here's a question. Do you pray enough? 100% of you are going to give me the same answer. Something like, you know, I can pray more. No, I don't pray enough. I need to ramp up my prayer life. So my question for you is, what is enough? 24-7, 365? What is enough? Because spiritual disciplines can be some of the hardest disciplines in your heart. And so I have asked myself a question as to how would I define spirituality? How would I define spirituality? How can I define when I'm spiritually alive? So I'm going to give you Sam Chan's answer. I am the most spiritually alive when I can take inventory of my motivations. Why do I do what I do? Why am I going to engage with something? Why am I going to disengage from something? My motivations. Because my heart, my heart. The Bible tells us the heart is extremely wicked, extremely devious. It's hard to find good motivations or wholesome or biblical motivations. And I'm here to tell you, I struggle with my motivations. Why do I do what I do? Why do I say what I say? Why do I go where I go? Motivations. And I'm most spiritually alive when I am the most biblically aligned with my motivations. Doesn't happen all the time but definitely an aspiration, a spiritual aspiration in my life. So again, the same question. What is it that one thing you can do in the next 30 days to take better care of your spirituality that will move you from a 5 to a 6? Number 5. The final S is succession. Some people call it legacy. The challenge is most people live so much of their life by design. We go to the school by design. We go to college by design. We uh, get certain jobs by design. We open certain businesses by design. We join certain churches by design. We live in certain neighborhoods by design. We, we drive certain cars by design. We live our life by design. But when it comes to our legacy, we live by default. 
have you not been uh, kind of uh, confused by that how people live their life so much on purpose in all these other areas but then they play fast and loose with their legacy so legacy is different from inheritance inheritance is what you're going to leave behind legacy is who you're going to leave behind so my question for you is who you're going to leave behind on purpose so when jesus was on this planet he poured his legacy into a lot of people but specifically into 12 disciples and then even more specifically into his inner circle of peter james and john and when you read the first few chapters of the fledgling new baby called the church in acts 2 and on from there you will see all of these disciples playing pivotal roles in that because they were legacy carriers legacy carriers so many people look up to you you have influence in so many people's lives you helping so many people and my question is how much of that is by design and how much of that is just kind of happening haphazardly by default who is it in your ecosystem that you see some gifts on some graces on god's favor on talents on and and you know that if you were to put your arm around them and help them they could be much better they could mature faster they would not make the same mistakes you made you can keep them out of the ditches so don't let that happen by default do that by design because one day when there's a funeral for you and for me unless the lord tarries his coming we will go that way what will people say about you you know what i'd like for you to think about people saying things like had it not been for your name so who is it in your circles in church in your neighborhood in your family on your job in your business in your life that needs you so you can leave your seed and grow your legacy same question again what is it that you can do in the next 30 days to just move the needle one point from 5 to a 6 let's talk about the second word in i n r stands for income income also known as finances more commonly known as money money years ago i heard a saying which said something like this when your outgo exceeds your income your upkeep becomes your downfall that's pretty cool isn't it let me say that again you may want to write this down when your outgo exceeds your income your upkeep becomes your downfall so the whole idea of living not within your means but living beneath your means when you're living according to your means you have no margin 
But when you live beneath your means, then you have margin in life. But you know what I've also found? Very few people have an actual financial plan. Two-thirds and more of the people in the United States of America are hoping somebody else will take care of them in their old age. Now, it doesn't matter who you are, unless you stop living, you're going to get old. <laughs> I remember the story about this uh, guy who was given a death sentence, a death sentence. And the king asked him, you're going to die. But you get to choose how you're going to die. <laughs> the man said, old age? <laughs> yeah, we're all going to be going that way. So, are you going to wait for somebody else to take care? Or are you going to take care of it yourself? Because we all don't, don't want to depend on anybody else to take care of you. And, and, and then as we get older, as we get older, our medical costs, our health costs go up. It is just a fact of life. It is just how life is. There are more aches and pains. Your pets in your homes. If you ever had a dog or a cat, you know, as they get older, their medical bills go up. And then I want to tell you the saddest part of all of it. All of you listening to me right now, and I can't, because I'm talking to CRC, I can make categorical statements. I've known you for many, many, many years. All of you are generous people. Every one of you is a generous person. I know that you like to give out of the generosity of your heart. The building that you're sitting in right now was refurbished because of your generosity. People in different parts of this world are being helped during these difficult days because of your generosity. You have a beautiful children's area and youth area in your church because of your generosity. You feed thousands of people all around you through your outreach programs because of your generosity. CRC is a generous church. Having said that, the saddest part is that if you do not take care of your finances, there'll be the time in which you're going to say, I'd love to, but I can't do what I used to do. You can change that narrative in your life. You can change that narrative by maybe talking to a financial planner. No, 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 no. I know you're saying you got to be rich to have a financial planner. No, no, no. Rich people get rich because they have a financial planner. You may want to walk into your bank and ask them if they can help you. You may know somebody in the church who's in that business because this is a specialized care of your finances. I'm suggesting that if you don't take care of your money, don't depend on somebody else to take care of your money either. Take care of it yourself. So here's my question for you. Same question. What is it that you can do in the next 30 days to move yourself from a five to a six for your financial future? My wife and I didn't start taking care of our finances this way till we were 47. Because nobody said to us what I'm saying to you. 
And because we started later in life, we had to work harder at it and harder at it. We had to minimize expenses. I had to downsize my car. I didn't need all that. I needed this. Had to give up certain things that brought us great pleasure. But then the whole old adage is true. You'll either pay now and play later, or you're going to play now and pay later, but you will pay. I'd much rather pay now and play later. So, what are you going to do? Five seconds. Write it down to take of your financial future. I told you the last N is my favorite. It is the alphabet N leading to the word no. N-O. Strengthen your no muscle. So I'm a leadership consultant, so I study these things. What I found is till the age of 40 to 45, maybe even 50, but usually below that, we get ahead by saying yes. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll be there. Yes, I'll, you can count on me. Yes, I'll go there. Yes, yes, yes. But then I've also found that after the age of 45, 50 on for sure, your life gets defined by saying no. And the no muscle has rarely been used in life. It is still there, but kind of atrophied, kind of dangling over there, has no strength to it. The yes muscle is strong, robust. You got ahead in life by saying yes, yes, yes. So you are here, but your no muscle is kind of, is there, but it is dangling. And yet, I know that, that where you're going in life, you'll go further, faster, greater focus, greater agility, greater intentionality when you learn to say no. So you got to say no to what is not your priority now. Your age and stage should guide you through that. Uh, I can tell you about myself right now. At this age and stage in my life, I say yes to two things. Yes to two things. Creating content like I'm teaching right now and influencing influencers. That would be you. So all of your influencers, and I'm hoping to influence you, so you can go home, you can go back to your neighborhoods, you can go to your small groups, you can go to your job and ask the same questions, those seven questions, press in. So how are you taking care of that no muscle? What is it in the next 30 days that you can say, no to that will move the needle on your quality of life, margins in life, fulfillment in life, joy and happiness in life, peace in life. It could be saying no to a relationship. It could say no to that opportunity that sounds really good but it's going to affect your family adversely. Because see, every yes is pregnant with a no. So what is the one thing, that's my last question for you, what is the one thing that you can do in the next 30 days, say no to, that will move you from a 5 to a 6. So I want to conclude my time with you by thinking about the word press it physically, 
relationally, emotionally, spiritually, succession wise, leaving a legacy, income, finances, saying now, what would Jesus have done with present? Luke chapter 2 is an interesting chapter. Luke chapter 2, uh, Jesus' parents go to the temple, Jerusalem. The Bible tells us they did this every year. So this was his 12th year. The first year he was in, a, in his arms. Second year, probably still somebody carried him. Second year, third year, he's probably running around, you know, a little toddler everywhere. But now he's on the brink of becoming a teenager. He's 12 years of age. And you know the story. Uh, Mary and Joseph forget about Jesus being in their convoy going home. And they realize three days later that they had lost Jesus. And so they make their way back to Jerusalem. They find Jesus talking to uh, his uh, elders, to the lawyers, doctors, Pharisees, scribes. That at the age of 12. And that's in Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 3, Jesus emerges into his ministry at the age of 30. Luke chapter 2, he's 12. One chapter later, he's 30 years of age. So Bible scholars have always talked about those silent years of Jesus, those 18 years from 12 to 30. And they want to know what was Jesus doing? Well, we know he went back to Nazareth with his parents. We know that he was a carpenter because one gospel calls him the carpenter's son. Another gospel calls him the carpenter himself. So he learned the trade. But the end of Luke chapter 2 tells us what Jesus pressed in on. So in case you're wondering if I have biblical foundation for the last 35 minutes, I want to give you that biblical foundation. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. It says this. Because he went home, it says he was subject to his parents. And then Luke chapter 2, verse 52 says this. And Jesus increased in wisdom, number one, and stature, number two, and in favor with God and men. Wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with men. Wisdom, he grew intellectually, he grew emotionally in wisdom. He grew in stature, that means he grew physically, he grew in status, he grew in maturity. He grew in favor with God, that means he grew spiritually. And favor with men, that means he grew relationally. Jesus pressed in. You and I can press in too. Last 30 seconds, challenge. And then I'll turn it over to our esteemed leaders at CRC. In these difficult times, as you're reinventing and refocusing your life, redirecting your life, you're doing very well professionally in your other environments. But I want to challenge you to press in. Take care of yourself physically. Take care of yourself relationally. Take care of yourself emotionally. 
take care of yourself spiritually, take care of yourself in a succession and legacy, take care of yourself and your income, your finances, your money, and learn to say no. This is your friend Sam Chan asking you to simply press in.